Welcome to episode three of For the Love of Podcast. This episode is my interview with Kevin Finn. Kevin's the co-founder of Higher Pixels, which is the company behind the podcast host Buzzsprout. Since starting in 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 100,000 podcasters get their start. And not just because they're a host, because they're an educator. In fact, they follow a philosophy with their employees, which I absolutely love, which is that they are all learners and teachers in equal measure. And you don't need to look that far to see the result of that philosophy. They have incredible tutorials on YouTube. They have a bi-weekly podcast called Buzzcast. And they have countless, and I mean countless articles that walk you step-by-step through the entire podcasting experience. And let me tell you, their product is incredible. The user interface, it's simple, it's intuitive, it's clean. And I could speak from experience because I use Buzzsprout as my host and I absolutely love them. Kevin clearly has a passion for podcasting and he shares so many valuable insights about the industry and how to find success in this space. Some of the highlights from this show include him talking about why we should be excited about the current state of podcasting, SEO tips to help podcasters gain more visibility. He talks about some of the biggest mistakes he sees new podcasters make. He also reveals effective promotion and marketing strategies, what analytics we should be looking at, and he provides suggestions for monetization. We geek out and talk about his favorite podcasting platforms, tools, and resources, and he shares his hope for the future of podcasting. This one is jam-packed, so let's jump in to the conversation. Kevin Finn, thank you for being on For the Love of Podcast. Thank you so much, Billy. Excited to be here. Yeah, me too. And as we were just talking about, man, I, I'm truly impressed. I am not only a customer of yours, but I have become a massive fan of the way in which you operate your company. Everything from the thoughtfulness that you put into taking care of your employees, making sure that they have work-life balance, not really caring about titles. If you look on your website, I love the creative titles that you came up with. You got your start way back and kind of by accident fell into the podcasting space with Buzzsprout because you were helping churches and nonprofits try to find a vehicle to get audio out to the audiences that they wanted to approach. And as things would turn out, you had so many requests that you were even passing people off to other hosts and they didn't really get as far as they would maybe like. And so you had to kind of create right. this platform and you, you debated whether you should do it as a standalone or build it into what you had already, which was a content management system. You went with standalone and you haven't looked back. I mean, what you've built is truly incredible. To get started on your Twitter account, you shared an article that was kind of it was a little bit discouraging, honestly, and it, was, it wasn't your intention to be discouraging. It was a Leo Laporte put out an article about the future of podcasting. And so I don't want to start on a downer. I want to start on a positive. <laughs> so I want you to tell me why should independent podcasters, who that's your audience, why should independent podcasters be excited about the future of podcasting? Uh, there is a ton to be excited about. And all the things that I'm excited about are things that exist today. So it's not like I don't think we have to envision a future where things are going to get better. 
Like the future is here in podcasting. It's amazing. It's an open platform. It's one of the last open and like friendly places on the internet where you can interact with content. You can create your own content or you can consume other people's content and you're not being tracked. You know, like when you go into Facebook, it just feels everything I'm doing is, am I exposing data? Am I going to get ads now because I clicked on this piece of content? I do the same thing on Google. Like the internet has just become this very commercialized place where you feel like you're walking through a mall and everyone is spraying cologne on you. And it's like, I don't want to buy stuff. I just want to say hi to my friend, or I just (laughs) want to listen to this interesting story or article or find a book on this. But I can't do any of that anymore without all this stuff coming at me. And it's not just like offers. Oh, hey, Kevin, we know that you like country music, so you're going to like this Western smelling cologne. And they're spraying it in my face. And I'm like, this is not the part of the internet. This is not what we wanted. This wasn't the intention, but because everything is free and there's expenses and people have to make money, this is kind of what it's become. But podcasting is not that. It's very inexpensive. The barriers of entry are very low. So there's a lot of people who are creating great content. And it's kind of like if you think 10, 15 years ago, when people would consume blogs, like all the time you'd go on the internet and somebody would email you a link or Twitter was just starting out and people would tweet things and you click on it and you land on this amazing blog and you could go back and you could see this rich history of content that this blogger has just been putting out and they're not commercialized and they don't work for news organizations and the stories haven't been run through editor's desks and everything. And it's just real and transparent and you're connecting with people who are sharing their thoughts or stories or whatever. And that is what podcasting is. And it's one of the last few things on the internet that's like that. Probably won't be like that forever. And I hope we can keep it this way as long as we can. I hope that there's some aspect of this that will live on but there are a lot of companies that are trying to commercialize it. And so that's kind of what I talked about. And I think that's what some of that article that I linked to was alluding to. I, I can't remember the whole article or you know, even how long ago I tweeted it. But anytime I do see something You put like it that, out of your mind. <laughs> right? Anytime I see stuff like that, where people are saying, hey, there's this great new ad tech coming to podcasting or let's talk about how much ad dollars are being spent and how do we get it up to this? You know, how do we 10x the ad dollars in podcasting over the next 10 years? Like, that's not exciting to me. I don't need people helping me figure out how to better spend my disposable income or whatever access. Like, I don't need any help with that. But what I do enjoy is stumbling upon a new podcast and listening to stories about someone's life or, hey, I want to learn about whatever real estate or I want to become, I'm a volunteer baseball coach for my son's team. So I want to know what are some baseball drills or how do people who coached youth baseball for a long time. Like I can find podcasts on that and I can consume it. It's wonderful. It's interesting because your platform, you say this on the higher pixels, which is your company name, but Buzzsprout is one of the amazing products that you offer. And what you, the way you describe it is exactly what it is. It's the easiest way to host, promote and track your podcast. And it truly is. And I'm speaking from experience because I, as I said, I use the product. One of the other things that stands out about the way in which you offer operate is you focus on education. In fact, your employees, what you really embody in every employee there is equal parts, teachers, as well as learners. And I love that because that's exactly how I describe this whole journey that I'm on. I'm a learner first, but in the process, as I'm learning, I plan on teaching. One of the things that you teach, one of the things that you believe in is the importance of having a strong why when you have a podcast. Why is that important? And how do you suggest somebody develops the why for their podcast? 
Well, we talk about a lot about this when we end up at conferences. Conferences are, we're not doing any right now, but they're always fun to attend. And we attend them because we enjoy them and it gives an opportunity to meet customers and potential customers. And so we always start off with that question because a lot of people will be drawn to podcasting as a potential uh, revenue source. And I, I listened to your episode. You just talked with Jordan about this. If you're looking for ancillary income, podcasting is probably not the best channel for you to do that on. Now, again, there's opportunities. Like if you already have a huge following other places, could you provide this as another way to interact with those same people and then possibly add value to their lives? And there's some sort of value exchange. Not saying that can't happen at all. But if you don't have that, if you're not a celebrity, if you're not a Conan O'Brien or a Kim Kardashian, the chances of you launching a podcast and getting to the 50,000 downloads number or whatever within years and year, without years and years of work put into that are very, very low. People could say that podcasting has a discoverability problem. I push back on that a little bit and I'm like, I don't think it does. I think that's part of the beauty of it. I mean, you could say that writing a book have a discoverability problem, but Books don't have a discoverability problem. It's hard to get shelf space in Barnes and Noble. They're still around, right? And <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get featured on the Amazon homepage. But when you write a book, there's an expectation that you're going to have to market that book. You're going to have to go do interviews and you're going to have to write other pieces and you might have to pay for a little advertising and you might have to visit some small local bookstores and do book signings and do readings. You're going to have to work to promote the book. That same thing exists in podcasting. You can't just record your voice or your conversation or your story or whatever you're doing on your podcast, throw it out on the internet and expect that the audience and the dollars are going to come rolling in behind it. You're going to have to work to promote it. I don't know that that's a discoverability problem. I think there's a comparison that gets drawn all the time between podcasting and what happens on YouTube. And they say, well, YouTube has solved the discoverability problem, but YouTube hasn't solved the discoverability problem. They wrote a really smart algorithm to kind of figure out what two or three minute videos you like watching. And then they serve you more of that same stuff over and over and over again. And so it's not a discoverability solution. It's a attention holding algorithm. Again, it's just <laughs> very different than what we have going on in podcasting. Podcasting is like self-serve, on-demand content. When I want to consume it, I've got to seek it out. I've got to work. And, and I like that organic nature of it as opposed to programmatic code, figuring out where are my weaknesses that you can use to hold my attention while I would be much better off just going to sleep or interacting with my children or other humans. But for some reason, I'm just watching these fail army videos over and over and over again. <laughs> well, it's so true though, because I mean, we are used to these platforms that just spoon feed us content that they think we want without any regard for what we actually want. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. What I love about podcasting as a podcaster is we actually own a lot of what's in our control, right? And one of the things you talk about is the importance of SEO. In fact, you say that SEO second to word of mouth is really one of the strongest ways you can attract an audience. Can you talk a little bit about ways in which you can develop more attraction to your show? Because as you said, just making the show, and this is a really important point. I think a lot of people make a show, they put it on the internet and they think it's just randomly right. going to find an audience that doesn't work that way. So give us some ideas. I mean, there's tons of different ones, but I'm, sh I'm sure you'll rattle off a few, but what, what are the, some of the strongest ones? Yeah. Well, the most basic ones are you need to have some written content somewhere on the internet. So audio content is not indexed very well as of today, and that will be getting better over time. 
But as of today, it's not indexed very well. So what we tell everybody is you need to have a website for your podcast. If you sign up for Buzzsprout and most of our competitive services as well, we'll do the same thing. They'll give you a very basic website to start out with. We do it because if you have audio content ready to go and you're itching to get it out there, we give it to you like as a starter site. If you're going to be serious about podcasting and try to build something around your brand long term, you're going to move on from that, hopefully within a year or two or so of launching your podcast. And you're going to be looking for ways to grow your audience. And the first thing would be get a real website that you can control and you can put more information on and you can add content around all of your episodes. There's lots of different types of content that you would include with an episode, but the most basic is obviously the title of the show, who your guests are, embed an audio player in there, give the description of your show. And then I talk a lot about the importance of transcripts. And here's why I love transcripts. First, there is an accessibility issue with audio content. There are a lot of people who have hearing impairments to varying degrees. I think it's always very important. I don't know if you personally know anybody with a hearing impairment, but if you do, and I do, and we have a lot of Buzzsprout customers who have hearing impairments who are podcasters, and it's so important for them to be able to participate in this beautiful world. And I'm very passionate about podcasting, so I want everyone to be able to enjoy it. And if you have a hearing impairment, it's hard for them to enjoy it without the ability to have a transcript. So some people are completely deaf and the only way they can experience the content is by reading it. And some have impairments where they're just partially hearing disabled. And so they need something to be able to read along because they have a hard time following just the audio. And so I don't want to miss that part, but there's also a side benefit that comes along with providing transcripts. And that is it makes your content much more searchable through search engines. So if you include transcripts in your podcast and you put them on your website, then Google and other search engines can then index all of that content. And you might happen to pick up audience from random places. The example I've used before, and I'll I'll give it now, you might have a real estate show and you're talking about real estate, but in that show, at some point you talk with a co-host or you're interviewing somebody and you start talking about whatever, a a Ford F-150 that you just bought. And somebody who is searching for a Ford F-150 in your area, you might show up in those search results. They end up listening to your episode. They find out, hey, I stumbled upon something because this person was talking about it, but they end up listening to your podcast. They end up being interested in what you're talking about. They end up subscribing to your show. This is not a magic pill. It's not going to take your audience in 10 exit overnight, but again, it will over time add on to the exposure that you get with your podcast. The other thing that I always go back to, and this is probably close, it's not a 10X or it just depends on how much time you want to put into it, but seek out other podcasters who are talking about similar things. I say all the time in the podcasting space, we're not competitors, we're all teammates. Like if you've got a great podcast and you happen to talk about the same thing that I do, like we should connect, we should go on each other's shows, we should share stories, we should share guests because your audience, it's not like if somebody listens to your show, then they're not going to listen to mine. Like we're always looking for new, it's entertainment content for the most part, or educational content, but it's valuable and it's easy to consume. And so I'm always looking for another podcast. So we should share audiences. We should go on shows, meet other podcasters, have them on our shows. And that's a great way to grow your audience. Yeah. The cross-pollination is so valuable. You get exposure if you go on their show. They get exposure if they come on your show. And then sharing guests, sharing ideas. I'm totally with you about this competition. No, it's not about competition. We're all in this together. And the more we can have that kind of connection and work together, the more we can all succeed. You brought up some great points, especially I love the fact that not only are you getting more search engine optimization by having more content, by having a a full transcription of your episode, 
but you're also doing something to serve a part of the population that otherwise wouldn't be able to hear the content. They get to read it. And I love that. And I love that you're thinking about that. And I, for one, will be an advocate for it because you have shared that with me and I hadn't even thought about it in that way. So thank you for that. I'm grateful. And when I think about what we've talked about so far, I kind of imagine this big ocean that exists of podcasts. And then you think of like a real ocean. If you were to throw something out in the ocean and expect somebody to find it, they won't find it. And this is kind of a weird analogy, but I'm not a big believer in churning the the water with blood. But if you want to attract a great white shark, Mm -hmm. that's what you do. I've been to South Africa where they did that. And I was my least, it was my least favorite part of the experience because I'm not a big believer in like doing something that's not natural, but guess what? The great whites, they came. And so when we our podcasting. I think it's a really good idea to think of ways to put some blood in the water to attract people to your show. Again, a kind of a weird analogy, so don't don't fault me for it. But no, I love the analogy. Too many people are doing what we talked about. They're putting their show out and then expecting people to, to find it. That's a, in my mind a mistake. And they say marketing is half the battle. I think it's like ninety percent of the battle is the marketing and promotion. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that in a minute. But what are some of the biggest mistakes? that you're seeing podcasters make? Because you've helped over 100,000 podcasters get started. I mean, that's massive. And just kudos to you and the company. What are some of the biggest mistakes you're seeing? Okay, so right now we're seeing an influx of podcasters who are being drawn to YouTube. And totally great. YouTube is a very cool... I mean, it is its own thing, right? we're We're not talking about YouTube in the same sense that we're talking about podcasting. Podcasting is independent publishing on your terms and your con- you have a lot of control. But when you talk about YouTube, that is all within the walled garden of YouTube. So you've got to play by their rules. But it is cool for what it is. And people are being drawn to it, I think, because they're, they're probably consumers of it. So they're spending some time on YouTube them- their- themselves and they're saying, hey, well, I'm creating this podcast. I would love for my content to be in here. And a very common way, an easy way to solve that problem is to say, I just want to take my audio file and throw it into YouTube. The problem with that, again, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but YouTube is algorithmically driven. And so that is very smart. I mean, I don't claim to have inside information about how the YouTube algorithm works, but I do know part of the formula it uses to determine how much it's going to promote content or not is based on watch time. And I also know that I've seen a lot of people who have done this, who have taken audio files only, and they've either like attached like a little waveform animated graphic thing. They call them like audiograms or they've just done a still image with audio before it and uploaded that to YouTube, but there's no live video. And they've either like severely damaged their, their reputation on YouTube. Again, not reputation with their fans, but reputation in terms of what the algorithm is going to promote. So it's not promoting them or they've had a pretty successful channel or a mildly successful channel before that. And then they just tanked it. One of the examples, I love this company a lot. Uh, what we do at Higher Pixels is inspired by the guys and the team. It's not just guys, it's guys and girls, but the team at Basecamp. And they have a, a wonderful podcast called Rework. Mm-hmm. And they do this with their podcast. They put it on YouTube. And Basecamp has hundreds of thousands of customers like, and create amazing content. And every episode, I don't have any access to the download numbers, but I imagine that their episode downloads for their podcasts are in the tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands. And yet their YouTube plays are in the low hundreds. And so anybody can go on YouTube and look up rework podcast on YouTube and look at these numbers. And you can see that it's not doing what I think they hoped it would do. 
And if ever the day comes where Basecamp starts putting real video on their channel, the starting line has been moved way back for them because the algorithm already thinks that this is not quality content. If you put up a 45-minute podcast on YouTube and somebody only listens to the first one or two minutes because they're like, I'm trying to watch video right now. I'm not just trying to listen to audio. Then they click off your, your content. They move on to something else. So it just doesn't work with the platform. And you have to understand the platforms that you're pushing to if you're going to be successful. One of the problems I'm seeing right now is people want to use YouTube to solve this discoverability problem. And they want to find an audience and they want to use YouTube to do it. I love that idea. Joe Rogan did it and he did it wonderfully, but Joe Rogan did it with real video. He set up you know, cameras around his studio and he filmed himself from a couple of different angles, recording audio. And he published short, well, he didn't get huge on YouTube by putting his three or four hour episodes up. He did right. JRE clips, which was a separate right. channel, which are all like 10 minute or less clips of highlights of that three or four hour video or that whole podcast interview. And that is what exploded him on YouTube. And I encourage podcasters all the time. Hey, use YouTube for what it's good for. And you can absolutely use YouTube to grow your podcasting audience, but let's look at the best way to do it. And the best way to do it is to you know, like mimic like what Joe Rogan did. Find some great clips, get a few cameras on your side. Like we're in a Zoom call today, record the Zoom thing. It doesn't have to be the world's fanciest video. You don't have to have a beautiful studio. Yours is beautiful. Mine, I've got a treadmill in the back. It doesn't look great, but it would still play on YouTube okay, better, much better than just doing a static image with audio in the background. That's right. No, that, that's so true. And I, I totally agree that you can't just put an audio file on YouTube and expect it's going to get the kind of traction that you want and don't try and solve a problem by making kind of another problem. What, what else stands out? In a minute, we're going to get into promotion and marketing strategies, but any other pitfalls or mistakes or things that you see people trip up and, and make kind of especially early on in their podcasting journey? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a couple that are quick hits. Like uh, we can just run through the idea of I'm not a successful podcaster unless I get, you know, some number that you have in your head. I should get this number of downloads in the first month or two months or years or something like that. Like those are just remember that you're probably much harder on yourself than anybody else is. And the median number of downloads that a, an average podcast gets, especially like on the Buzzsprout platform is probably much lower than you expect. We just put some of these numbers out in our last Buzzcast episode. And I want to say it was around 98 downloads of your podcast overall in 30 days. If you're doing that, you're in the top 50% of Buzzsprout podcasters. And Buzzsprout's a pretty big podcasting host. You don't have to do huge numbers to feel successful and feel good about yourself. And you asked me this question earlier. We always talk about identifying your why before you start podcasting. That's not just for podcasting. It should be for like almost anything in your life. But like for real, take some time and figure out why you want to get into podcasting. And if it's just for fun, then you just have to come back and ask yourself at the end of each episode, was that fun? And if it is, then let's do another one. It was fun. <laughs> Maybe your why is because you want to influence a certain number of people. But most of the time, that's not what we hear. We hear that people want to have fun or that they want to share a message. They like teaching and they don't have an outlet for it. And so that, you know, podcasting could be a, a good way to be an outlet for, for teaching. A lot of people share music or like there's so many different reasons that somebody would get into podcasting. And you have to remember that because it's also it can be a lonely medium can be a bit discouraging because we don't have a ton of metrics to look at to gauge success. So if you're just logging into your account and looking at your download numbers and hitting refresh, that can be discouraging. But <laughs> if you, we say, we'll Gu go back guilty, to why. Guilty. Yeah. All did it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, it's another thing. That's another problem that we try to solve is that we don't want it to be lonely. We love podcasting and we love podcasters. We 
create content all the time. We try to create discussions around that. We've got a Facebook group. I love when people reach out and say, hey, would you be a guest on my podcast? I try to do that as much as possible. We try to have people guests on our podcast and we love going to conferences. Conferences are like the worst business decision you could ever make. If you're a business owner, you know that you never make your money back on conferences, but we do it as an opportunity to like to feed us and to feed you know the, our customers as well. We need that connection with the people who are using our product. And I think it's healthy for them to have interaction with other people who are in the podcasting space and understand the journeys that they've been on. Part of the why really comes back to who is your audience? Who are you serving? Who will be the people that will actually be listening to your show? And, you know, we talk about mistakes. One of the things I think happens a lot is people don't have a very clear picture of who their audience is and niche, not niche, like how wide or narrow should a podcaster go? I mean, there's arguments pro and and against niching down, as they say. I think there's some people that are maybe fearful of going too far down that narrowness path. But the, the, the converse is, in my opinion, probably worse. And as I started my podcast last year, I think one of the things I didn't really have a good handle on was understanding exactly who my listener would be. Curious what your perspective is on that, because I think having an understanding of your audience does really, really matter, especially if you do want people to actually listen to it. How narrow should somebody go? You know, it's a really good question. And it's a conversation that we have every time before we record. We do a a show every two weeks where we talk about product updates and what's going on in the podcasting industry. And we do this all the time. We'll all drop topic ideas in the message thread, and then we'll kind of group up about 30 minutes before we start recording. And we always say, is our audience interested in this? We are interested in this. We would have this conversation because it's on our list. It's something that I'm interested in, but is our audience interested in it? And then we always use an analogy of like, is this too much like inside baseball? There's a portion of baseball that is just for the players and the coaches. And then there's some like diehard fans who sit in the stands and they know like the body language or they know that look that that player gave that player. They know what that means. The 60,000 people that are filling the stands, they don't know that. And they're not there for that. They're there for the action and the excitement. And so that's what we have to be conscious of when we're, we're talking about our topics on our shows. So how narrow is too narrow? And again, I would bring it back to your, like, what's, what are you doing this for? If you're choosing a topic because you're looking to grow your business or it's like a marketing channel for something that you're doing, then you should already have a target market or some sort of like avatar of your ideal customer outline you should be able to speak to. Probably not going to be super tight. Usually what happens is people don't go too narrow. They go too wide. That's, that's what we see more, more often than somebody who's too, too narrow. It's, it's too wide. And so I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. If you're listening to this right now and you're thinking about starting a podcast and you're thinking about this very specific thing, chances are you're just fine. I think Pat Flint always encourages like in his workshops, people to like go tighter and tighter and tighter because that's a great way to create like these really loyal fans who are with you from the beginning that you've focused in on and you were able to find them. And maybe you find your two or 300 people, and then you can kind of start expanding your content and growing out from there, as opposed to throwing this really wide net and all the fish swim through the big holes. That's right. Creating super fans. It starts with having a clearly defined and super targeted niche that you can, to your point and to Pat's point, you can continue to grow that once you have that initial core group, you can build out from there and expand your offering. We already talked about SEO and I I really appreciate the insights that you have there. I do want to transition to talk about marketing 
and promotion because I did a, a poll on LinkedIn and I said, what do you want to hear about most? And that won by a landslide. I was like, do you want, <laughs> do you want to hear from the best podcasters ever? Do you want to hear about production quality? Do you want to hear about how to promote your show? Do you, and I don't remember what the other one was, but promote your show got the most votes. So like, what are people doing that's working? Well, I already gave away my biggest tip, which was get on other people's shows. So let's go to the next level. There are opportunities to pay, and we can just talk about this for a little bit. But if you want to pay to promote your show, you can still find some pretty affordable ads in different apps like Pocket Cast, I think, does ads and Overcast. I like these better than a lot of people have said they've tried Facebook ads or Instagram ads. I don't like those because it's a good message, but it's at the wrong time, right? Like there's a reason why the candy bars and stuff are at the checkout aisle in the back of the store. I'm never going to buy them back there. Like their impulse purchases, the impulse time for me to subscribe to another podcast is when I'm listening to a podcast. And so I like being able to get an ad in a podcast app like Overcast where I just finished one episode and Hey, there's something in the same category at the bottom. And I'm thinking about what I want to listen to next. I might just tap on that and listen to it. And if I listen to it, I might subscribe. That makes sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me that when I'm scrolling through a newsfeed on Facebook or I'm looking through images in Instagram to stop, engage with some audio content, and then somehow jump from there over to my podcast app and subscribe. Like it just feels too hard mm. to make that connection. And so I wouldn't encourage people to use ad dollars on those platforms that are very different. But I do like the idea of using YouTube. YouTube is a, a cool way. Again, make them clips, make them short, make them real video, put your content on YouTube. Uh, see if you can get the algorithm to recommend you. Email newsletters are great. So you can start building an email list and you can take some of the same content that you talked about in your podcast and you can write it up. And that's great because it helps with search engine optimization. You can put it on your website and then you can send out links to that stuff in a newsletter on a normal basis. And that stuff spreads pretty well because people who find interesting content in email newsletters. And again, think about an email newsletter as a valuable piece of content that is delivered to me because I've said I want it. It's not that, oh, there's a Labor Day sale at Target. It's flooded into your inbox. Sometimes people think about email marketing as that. And I think an email newsletter is different. And oftentimes those will get forwarded and shared around and you can start to grow an audience that way as well. I haven't tried this personally too much, but I've heard a lot of our podcasters have had success by becoming a valuable voice in different communities on Facebook. So they'll go into Facebook and they'll find different groups that are aligned with the topic that they talk about in their podcast. And they just join the group and then they become an active member of the group and they contribute all the time and they offer valuable stuff. And you don't even, it usually works against you if you push your own content as solutions to conversation discussions, like all that kind of stuff. But just make sure that you're, it's easy to find. If somebody clicks on your link to see who you are, make sure that your podcast is easy to find. You have your your picture and your name. And then right under that, you're like about line. Say, I'm the host on this podcast or I do this podcast. Make it easy for people to find that and then just provide value to them. Don't go in there and push your stuff. Just be a valuable member of the community. Candy. I love it, man. You buy candy when you're right checking out. So make it as easy as possible. And as opposed to when you're on Facebook, you're not in podcast mode, but if you're on overcast, you are in podcast mode. So make it as easy as possible. Same thing. If you're using Quora or you're using, if you're on a group or whatever, and you're the expert, make it as easy as possible for somebody to find your podcast because you make it so some, somebody could stumble over it. Yeah. You wrote a piece on Medium where you said podcasting subscribers aren't the statistics you're looking for. 
Can you explain what you mean by that? And what are we looking for when we look at analytics? Because this is something that I'm super curious about. Like, what are the analytics that are most important? You're digging deep now. Here's the interesting thing. I know you didn't ask about this. It's one of the most effective long tail pieces of content that I've ever written. I wrote it in an afternoon because we had a lot of customers who were starting to sign up for Buzzsprout and they kept saying, how do I know how many people subscribe to my podcast? I'm like, I'm kind of tired of writing the same support answer over and over. Let me write it one time really well and put it out on the internet. And then hopefully more people will find it and we'll get less people asking this question. Well, that was 10 or 11 or 12 years ago. It has probably accounted for thousands and thousands of Buzzsprout customers have read that piece and then landed on our site and signed up for an account. Well-written content can do well for years and years and years. I haven't thought about that piece forever. When I wrote it, I was talking about bloggers. There were a lot of bloggers who were starting to make the transition to podcasting. And when you were a blogger, you had an RSS feed, much like you do in podcasting. And most of those people ran those RSS feeds through a tool called, called FeedBurner. And FeedBurner would show you a subscriber number. So they would use some computer magic to figure out how many people are requesting that feed and how often. And they would say, oh, you've got your blog has 200 subscribers or 300 subscribers. And you would try to grow that number. And so as these people transition into podcasting, they were looking for that same metric. But we can't really give you that same metric because the RSS feed for a blog actually contains the content for those stories. And so they don't really have to, like if somebody just had your blog RSS feed, they could consume everything right there. They don't ever have to actually go to your website. And then bloggers started to get tricky and only including some of the content. But that aside, podcasting works differently. Podcasting basically gives like all the the text content, they give you the, the title of the episode and the description and stuff, but the actual audio file itself lives somewhere else. Mm. That's not embedded in the RSS feed. You have to you know, follow a link and find that off another server and consume it a different way. So tracking the number of requests to an RSS feed is not an accurate way of figuring out how much interaction your actual audio content is getting. To that, we have to look at a different metric, and that is like the number of downloads that your audio file is getting. That's kind of what was happening there is that people were trying to figure out how many subscribers do I have? And they still want that number today, but it, it means something different because somebody can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, somebody can subscribe in Overcast, somebody can subscribe in Google Podcasts. We don't know if they've subscribed in those apps or not. All we know as the host is how many times the file is being downloaded. And we can try to make an educated guess at if that is a unique download based on the IP address of the person who's downloading it and their user agent, or if it's somebody different. And so we try to give stats like that, but none of them equate to subscribers. The only people who know the number of subscribers that you have are the app makers themselves, and they don't share that information with us. They really don't share it with podcasters either. You can log into Apple Podcasts and see your stats that they collect on you. And I don't think they, unless they've made a change recently, I don't think they tell you the number of subscribers that you have. Same thing with Spotify. They tell you, I think the number of they call them followers, followers or something yeah. in Spotify. Yeah. They tell you the number of followers you have. And then starts and streams. So you can kind of piece that information together, but it doesn't really matter. What matters at the end of the day is how many people are downloading your content. There's a big push in podcasting now for more data, more data, more data. And there's a lot of ways we can get more data. We can get creepy with it and start tracking IP addresses <laughs> and you know, correlating them between the websites that you visit and the podcasts that you download and try to build profiles and it, that all gets creepy. It's not stuff that I'm interested in or we're interested in at Buzzsprout. There's other ways to get more data. 
like locking people into closed ecosystems. So YouTube has a ton of data about all the interactions that they get on YouTube and Spotify is starting to build that in their ecosystem. And they're trying to draw more people into it by locking more content only into Spotify and not distributing it as a podcast. So overall, I think there is plenty of data. Podcasters have been doing this for a while. And those that are looking to create great content and have monetization as a goal and want to make it a full-time gig, like there are paths to do it. It's not easy. It's hard. It requires a lot of work. It should be because it's really valuable stuff and like nothing valuable is easy. But the idea that we're going to get everybody 10 or 20 bucks to put in their pocket every month, that doesn't happen without some creepy bad stuff happening. And it's kind of that poison that we talked about in the beginning of the episode about Mm -hmm. podcasting could go a couple different directions. And I hope it doesn't end up just being another place where I feel like companies are trying to find out what I'm listening to or what I like so they can help me spend money that I probably don't have. Well, we are sort of in this golden era, right? And because podcasting is almost like the last man standing in this almost utopious type of uh, environment where there's advertising, there's sponsorships, but it's a different animal than what exists with these standalone platforms that really are taking advantage of how to market or how to advertise to a specific demographic. It's a far more invasive. But I do want to talk about monetization in the current landscape, because I know you have some ideas ideas, affiliate marketing, things of that nature, endorsements more as a story, things like that. What are your suggestions for somebody that wants to monetize their podcast in this current landscape? Yeah. Okay. So number one, I always say you should give your listeners, your audience an opportunity to donate to you. There's no reason not to. And there are a lot of people who will enjoy your content. And that is a way for that. They want to say thank you. It could be as simple as you giving, you know, dropping a PayPal link in the description of your episode or setting up a Patreon account, cash app link. Like there's so many easy ways that you could just say, Hey, if you want to buy me a cup of coffee, there's a site called buy me a coffee. And it's a really cool like donation platform. Grab a link, go set up an account with one of those sites, grab a link and just throw it out there. Maybe nobody ever gives you anything, but maybe somebody will. So there's no reason that that you should not do that. Again, just being uh, like on the other side of it. I love it. Like when I enjoy a podcast, I appreciate that there's a way to support that creator. I want to support them. And so there's more people like me that will want to do the same thing. Do that step one. Step two, if you want to get into actually like sponsoring something or what's the word I use? Uh, Endorsing something. Affiliate marketing is I think hands down the way to get into that. You start getting in a business mindset when you start thinking about sponsors or advertisers. People ask all the time, how many downloads do I need before I can get a sponsor? And I think that's probably the wrong question. The, The question you should be asking is, can I deliver enough value to a sponsor right now to justify the money they're going to give me? Mm. Once you can say yes to that question, then you're ready for a sponsor. And the way that you can figure out if you're ready for that is through affiliate marketing. So affiliate marketing, you're taking on all the risk, right? You have airtime, you've built this audience and you're going to take some of that time and you're going to take a risk on, I'm going to talk about this product that I like. And if I can get anybody to buy it, you're going to pay me a commission on it. They don't have any risk. They're just going about their business, doing their thing. And they're like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can sell 10 mattresses for me. I'll give you 50 bucks per mattress. Have at it. Knock yourself out. You want to go stand on the street and twirl a sign? Do that. Oh, you've got a podcast. You want to talk about on there? Fine. Do that. You sell one. I give $50. You do that for a while and start building some commissions coming in. You're honing your skill. You're figuring out which products resonate with your audience. 
You're figuring out how you need to talk about those products. You're figuring out where do I put those product mentions in my episodes? Should I put them in the beginning? Should I put them in the middle? Should I put them in the end? Where do they perform better? Now you're doing your homework and you're honing your skills. And now you have some authority when you actually go out to a sponsor and you can say, I know I can deliver this value. I've been doing it as an affiliate for you or for your competitor for years. And here's how much I'm getting paid. Do you want me to keep sending them traffic? Or would you like to you know, share some of this risk with me now and pay me a little bit up front? Like that's how I encourage independent podcasters to get into finding a sponsor. People don't love this answer because it's not like, can't just click a button and you start sending me money. No, it, it doesn't work like that. And again, people think oftentimes, not, not everybody, but a lot of people think that's how YouTube works. And, and it can a little bit, if you have a mildly successful channel and you just rely on YouTube's advertising, you can get some like pizza money. Like you could, it's not going to be real income. It's not going to allow you to like set you on a path to be able to do more of this if you really enjoy it. At Buzzsprout, and and I'm speaking to a specific audience because at Buzzsprout, we are people who take podcasting seriously and we are for people who want to take podcasting seriously. There's other platforms that you can hop on if you just want to give podcasting a try. But we, we, you know, we say, listen, if you're with Buzz, if you're, how do you know Buzzsprout's a good fit for you? It's probably because you, you like, you want to buy a quality microphone. You want to sound good. You want to figure out how to get the best guests or be the best interviewer. It might be a hobby and it might be something that you're just doing for fun, but you still want to do it well. That's how we know you're a good fit for Buzzsprout. When I give this advice, it's with that disclaimer that these are people who are looking to actually build something real and long-term and want to do it well. And so this is the advice I give of moving down that path of doing it well. If you just want, I don't discourage this and I don't say that you shouldn't do this, but Buzzsprout might not be a good fit for you. If you just, Hey, I'm riding around in the car with my friend and we have these funny conversations all the time. We should record these on our phone and then post them online. That's totally awesome. You should totally do that. But Buzzsprout might not be the best platform for you to do that. There might be other free podcast hosts or something. And the idea that you would start selling sponsorships or making income around that type of content is probably, that's not probably not going to happen. You invest in your customers. And I really appreciate that through multiple channels. You have a YouTube channel, you have your podcast, Buzzcast, you have great, and I mean great articles on your website. And you even talk about other companies a lot and help introduce people to other tools, resources, things that will help them on their podcasting journey. Let's geek out for a minute and talk about some of your favorites. Otter AI. Tell us about that one. I know you like that one. What what does it do and why do you like it? Okay. Otter AI is, we think right now, one of the best, if not the best machine transcription services available. And they don't market themselves specifically for podcasters. I think their main target market is like recording business meetings and lectures if you're in university or something like that. But their engine is really honed in really well. Now, this might only be for English and like not strong accents and stuff, but we've tested it with thousands and thousands of podcasters and the feedback's been really strong. And so we love Otter AI as a way to go from in the transcription journey, which is like starting with you talking. And then the end of that journey is you have a really accurate written text transcription of what you said. In that journey, they're going to bring you from zero to like 90% for uh, I don't think they have a per minute charge. It's like, it's like less than $10 a month for 6,000 minutes, all the time you need for $10 a month. They're going to bring you from zero to 90%. And then they have a really wonderful editor to let you go for that, close that last 10%. So there is some editing that's going to be required by you. You're going to upload them a file in about 10 minutes. They'll turn it around and they'll give you text back. And then they have a little editor where you can click play and you're listening to your audio and you're reading along and they're highlighting the words. And if you need to fix a word, you just fix it real quick. Mm. That is a really inexpensive way to get transcripts done. And you're trading in that example, you're trading a little bit of money for 
time. Now, if you want to spend more money and less time, you can get human transcription. So you can use a service like Rev or whatever. There's hundreds of them available online. Human transcription will go from zero to a hundred much faster, but you'll also spend more. You're paying for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Auphonic. Auphonic. Okay. So Auphonic is, these are some genius partners of ours and they've come up with these amazing, I don't know if they're algorithms or computer technology stuff that's beyond me, but that's why they're doing it and I'm doing what I'm doing. But they've figured out ways to make audio files that sound, I wouldn't say terrible. You can't really, you have to start with something decent, but if you have a good audio file, they'll make it great. And we love their technology so much and we've used lots of other services and tried lots of other things that we decided to partner with them for a feature that we call Magic Mastering and we built that into Buzzsprout. So if you use Magic Mastering, you're getting that alphonic genius behind it. And that is... You record an episode, let's just say your volume is a little bit higher than mine or my mic is a little bit lower than yours. At the end of the day, not everybody knows how to fix that. The software that Alphonic has built is really good at fixing that kind of stuff. If there's some weird background noise, an air conditioner or electric static gets into the recording somehow, they can identify that and they can pull it out. So we call it magic mastering. Whether you use Buzzsprout or not, you can take advantage of Alphonic's services. You can just go to alphonic.com. If you're on Buzzsprout, you can just turn on magic mastering and then you don't have to worry about using a separate service. It's all built in. And again, that just goes back to us trying to make everything as easy as possible. But yeah, Alphonic, wonderful tool. So much so that we partnered with them. I love it, man. Okay, we talked about discoverability, good pods. Good pods, super cool new app. I don't know what I love more, the team behind good pods or the app itself. They're both really cool met them at a conference and they it happens at conferences all the time. People walk up to your booth and they're like, Hey, do you have a second? Can I show you this new app? And you're kind of like, yeah, sure. I'll look at your app. And then they showed it to us and we're like, no, wait, wait, this one's different. This is actually really cool and smart. And a lot of people have tried to solve the social podcast listening problem and good pods in our experience has been, they're doing it the best. And so think about Facebook, like a newsfeed style that you can scroll through and just look at what all your, you know, have all your friends in there, but you're seeing the podcasts that they're listening to. And then you can have discussions around those podcasts. It's really cool. It helps people find other podcasts and share them very easily in this kind of podcast listening social network. And they're available on iOS and Android, good pods. And you can also feel good because it's really nice, smart people behind the app as well. Takes one to know one. So I want to talk a little bit about what's in store for Buzzsprout. And then I want to talk in what's in store for podcasting in general. I mentioned this at the top of the show, but really you created your company to serve a need. And that need was to help your customer base distribute audio content to their audience. In the process, what you learned was there's, while there are other companies doing it, it was a little bit more cumbersome than your particular core customer base really wanted or needed. Right now, there's friction points in the industry. Some hosts aren't as easy to transfer to another host. I think that's a pain point. There's there's friction points, right? So it should be easier for hosts to switch hosts from one to another. Your company is all about protecting the little guy, being an advocate and a champion for independent podcasters. Part of the reason I wanted for you to be one of my first guests is because I'm a believer in what you're doing. And The interesting thing that I found out about the way in which you architect your company is you say no to a lot of the feature requests intentionally. 
And this is by design. You work, I mentioned this again at the top of the show, but you work in six week cycles. You're saying no, 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 no to all the features so you could keep everything streamlined and so that you're not chasing the next squirrel that passes you by, that you're trying to be all things to all people and have a, so many features that it complicates the entire process. But what is in store for Buzzsprout? Paint a picture for the future. I, again, I love when new features come out. What do I have to look forward to? <laughs> well, thank you so much. That's that's kind of you to say. And and I would say that I don't want to ever talk about some of those things like our six-week work cycles and the 40-hour work week and saying no to things instead of yes without, I feel like we're standing on the heels of some giants on some of that stuff. And we've been mentored in various ways by the team at Basecamp. They are awesome guys, build stuff in totally different areas than we do. They got a wonderful podcast and they've written a lot of great books and we've gone to a couple of their in-person sessions and exchanged emails with them. They've taught us so much. Thank you for that stuff. Thank you to Basecamp. What's next for Buzzsprout? Like what's on the horizon? One of the lessons we learned, we said we've been doing the software development thing for a long time and we learned very early that as much as we would love to talk about new things that are coming, it's really dangerous and it bites us because software development gets hairy sometimes. And sometimes uh, you think that something is super simple and we're going to build it and we're going to have it out at the end of the week and then things go wrong. We try not to talk about specific features at all, not on our blog, not on our YouTube channel, not on our podcast until they're actually deployed. Not because we're not excited about them, not because we're trying to be like, the next Apple and keep everything secret only because we don't want to disappoint people. Like we don't want to build expectations that we can't deliver on. We have some really awesome stuff that we're working on right now. And I think that within the next couple of weeks, some really cool things are going to deploy. But if they don't, I don't want you to be disappointed or feel like I promised something or, and, and here's the other thing. I don't want you to use the product sitting around waiting for something mm. like this product doesn't work for me today, but if they did this, then it would work. I'm never going to send you an email or say in our podcast, don't worry, we're building that. It'll be out in a week. It'll be out in a month. Just hang with me. No, if it doesn't work for you today, then go find something that will work for you. Like we really do believe that, that we want what's best for our podcasters. One of my favorite customers, I'm not going to say who it was, but one of my favorite customers who've been with us for a long time, just moved to another platform last week. And it was really sad for us to see him go, but they wanted stuff that we didn't have, and we weren't ever going to build because it, it just didn't align with our philosophies, what's best and healthiest for, for podcasting. That doesn't mean that we're wrong or we're right and he's wrong. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means like everything's not made for everybody and that's totally fine. That's one of the things I love about podcasting. So there was a competitor that offered what they needed. We helped them move and we're still great friends and I hope to see them real soon, but that's fine. Totally fine. We're, we have lots of customers and we're right for a lot of people, but not everybody. And we're okay with that. What I will say about what we're building is that we're always looking to make it easier to become a successful podcaster. And everyone kind of defines their own success. But part of that success is usually getting your show out to as many people as possible. So we try to help you market your show. We try to give you tools to help you market your show, to create that show as easily as possible. And we also recognize that hobbies, they're not fun when you have to do a bunch of other stuff that's like not the part that you love. So for <laughs> <Yeah>. in, <laughs> totally. in podcasting, there's so many different aspects. There's the recording part. Most people enjoy that. There's the editing part. Some people like that. Some people don't, but we're like getting down the chain of fewer and fewer things I like. Then there's the marketing part, like even less people enjoy that. And then there's all this other stuff that goes into it too. Like search engine optimization and artwork creation and all that other kind of stuff. If we think about podcasting, the one thing that we can all agree on as podcasters is we probably all enjoy getting behind the microphone 
and putting those headphones on and having conversations or reading your your story or however you do your podcast. When you're behind the mic, that's the most fun thing. So what we think about at Buzzsprout a lot is what are all those other pieces that you have to do to have a successful show and how can we help with those things? Like people don't need a lot of help once they're behind the mic, but everything else that's involved in podcasting, that's not that. Can Buzzsprout help make that easier? Can we make it easier for you to create artwork for your show? Can we make it easier for you to do search engine optimization? Can we make providing transcripts easier? Can we make promotion easier? That's the type of stuff that we're thinking about all the time. Yeah, and continue with the theme of creating the easiest way to host, promote, and track your podcast. Last question for you. There is a sea change happening. I think most people can feel it and see it. We have alluded to it. There's been people that have written about it. And then there's headlines like Joe Rogan moving to Spotify and a host of other dominoes that are going certain directions. What do you think the future of podcasting is? What are you most concerned with? And part of that answer, I would love it if you could share how we as a community can best set ourselves up for success. Because as you've said, where we're at today is a good place. And your fear, I think, is that we're going to move away from the good place that we're in. So is there anything that we could do as a community to help with that? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm smiling here and, and chuckling into my, <laughs> my own head. You know, I'll tell you this. There's stuff that we do that I don't necessarily expect or impose on uh, all of the people who use Buzzsprout or, or podcasters in general. And I don't think anything any less of them or differently of them if they if they choose a different path. But we do believe at Buzzsprout, we've, we've spent a lot of time thinking about it and talking about it. We do believe that Spotify is moving in the direction of they want to be the YouTube of podcasting. And we don't think that that's the healthiest thing for the podcast ecosystem. For us, we've chosen to withhold our shows from the Spotify platform. Funny enough, Joe Rogan did the same thing. Joe Rogan, was Spotify, his podcast was not in Spotify. And then they went and had a conversation with Joe and worked out a deal. And now he's only going to be in Spotify. They haven't made that same offer to us yet. So I can't say how we'd respond to it. But for now, we are not in Spotify. We think the beauty of podcasting and what makes it so magical is that it's open. And when you start locking content behind into specific apps or walled gardens or paywalls or everything else, that doesn't really feel, whether you call it podcasting or not, doesn't really matter to us, but it's not, it doesn't align with what we love about podcasting. So if you don't want to call it a podcast, you want to call it a show, fine. The nomenclature doesn't bother me, but it's not what I'm excited about. I'm not excited about helping people build content that people can only listen to in Spotify. I'm interested in helping people build content that anybody can listen to anywhere in their world on any app that they want and nobody can censor them and nobody can like track their listeners and nobody can do all this creepy other stuff that happens on the internet all the time. And we've all accepted as this is just the way the internet works. Well, that doesn't apply to podcasting today. And I hope that we can continue that for as long as possible. I'm more of a optimist when I look at this stuff. And I think that even if Spotify accomplishes their goals and good for them and their shareholders, if they do, I still think that there's plenty of people who will feel the same way that we do about podcasting and still be looking for independent hosts to host their content. And there will still be enough people who are consuming content and want to download apps made by independent app makers to be able to support. It might be a smaller ecosystem, or maybe we stay the same size and the Spotify side explodes. You know, if you think about like what happened with YouTube, 
YouTube is the dominant player. If you want to do online video today and reach millions of people, the only way that you can really do that is in YouTube. But there are other video services. One of them that we see a lot is called Wistia and there's Vimeo. These are still thriving communities and these are ways to distribute online video. YouTube's not the only choice and these companies are doing well. They've got employees and offices and they've got communities. And I think that from a host perspective and what I love about podcasting, I'm not pessimistic about it. I'm optimistic. I think that you know Buzzsprout and other independent podcast hosts will be around for a long time. I think independent podcasters will be around for a long time. I think apps like Pocket Cast and Castro and Overcast will be around for a long time. But if there's anything I'm a little bit bummed about is that I think that that stuff has an opportunity to go mainstream. And it would be one of like the first big things on the internet that goes mainstream without getting totally commercialized. Mm. But that might not happen. It's totally okay if it doesn't happen. But it seems like Spotify is saying, no, it's going to go mainstream and it's going to be commercialized and we're going to own it yeah. and it's going to be awesome. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's not that awesome, but okay. It's good. Yeah. It'll all be under their umbrella and that doesn't democratize and make it sort of what it is today, which is much more independent. Gives anyone a fair shot. I love that about the medium. Thank you so much for the time. I want to share where people could find you. First and foremost, check out the Higher Pixels website. If for no other reason to look at what the company stands for, to look at their core values and to see the way in which they operate their company, it's amazing. You can also check out some of the titles for their employees, which are quite comical to say the least. KFIN on Twitter. I found you on LinkedIn. So he's there on LinkedIn as well. Buzzsprout, obviously, we talked a lot about that. Definitely, if you have not located your host yet, check them out. I will share a link. It's for the love of podcast.com forward slash Buzzsprout. So we talked about affiliate links and you can check out their service through there. It does help me out in full disclosure. And aside from that, where else, Kevin, can people find you? <laughs> Any of those places. We've got an amazing support team and they love it when people write into support and say, hey, I heard Kevin say this. Can you forward this to him? And so that's another way you can reach me too. is support at buzzbrot.com. Mention my name. They will shoot it over to me and we can have a conversation there. Yeah. And then there's other platforms. There's donor tools. There's StreamCare. There's Tick. You have other platforms that you have. I want to be careful of over-promoting those because I know how much buzz Sprout is just taken off and kudos to you for building an incredible company, an incredible platform. And again, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Stop. Don't leave yet. If you made it this far, please listen for just one more minute because I have something to tell you. I can't tell you how much it means that you took the time to listen and I really hope you enjoyed this episode. So what do I want to tell you? I want to let you know that I'm here to serve you. If you have suggestions, ideas, possible guests, show topics, anything you'd like me to cover on future episodes, please let me know by sending feedback to for the love of podcast forward slash feedback. I want this to be a two-way street, not just me talking. I want to know what you want from this show. Ultimately, you will help decide what this show is and how it best serves you to make better podcasts. If you like this show, let me be blunt. The best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platforms. This is so important and it will help so much, especially during these early days as the show gets started. One more ask, please consider sharing this show with your friends on social media to help spread the word. So let's talk about what the next episode is all about. I'm going to be sharing the top 50 mistakes 
that I've made producing my first 50 episodes. This is going to be a fun one. I'm going to be totally transparent and open up the curtains to my world of podcasting, letting you know all of the things that I have failed in, all of the mistakes that I've made, and the trials and tribulations of being a new podcaster. And so I'm going to break down each one of those and share with the hope that maybe you'll learn from my mistakes. Or maybe you'll say, I made that same mistake. All right, that's it. Until next time, please remember, everything we do, we do it for the love of podcasts.